Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello. What's up? <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to recapture our, our electric live energy. Oh my gosh, yeah. So well, the episode that you're about to hear is an episode that we recorded during a live show. Woo. Our first live show back after like over two years. Mm-hmm. It was a blast. It really was. What you're, I mean, something that you're missing is, yeah, Caitlin gave me a lap dance. <laughs> I had cramps that day, so I didn't do much dancing. But I really... I tried to enjoy the lap dance as best I could thank you I felt I felt I felt great about it you were it that's no reflection on your skill you were incredible oh my goodness thank you so much because the movie was Magic Mike and yeah. you you clicked on it you, you know cl- you know come on and we did this whole funny little bit at the beginning of the show where you were you came out yes. you were like oh my gosh where's Caitlin when's the show gonna start smash cut to pony by genuine playing yeah i come out on stage i start taking my clothes off i give you a lap dance and i'm like woohoo everyone loved it <laughs> i mean i'm 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 giving woohoo with my face and my body language mm-hmm. and yeah it was pretty i mean it was it was electric and that's why i this is kind of more for for our matrons but that's that's what qualifies us i think you know that kind of energy and talent is what qualifies us to make a roku original <laughs> Uh, this is what's going to get us on the slate, the 2023 Roku original slate. Exactly. Because normally, I mean, podcasts are an audio medium. You don't really think of any visual thing that's happening. But when you come to our live shows. But what if the podcasters are hot? We're hot and, and we can dance and we give a good yeah. visual performance. Yeah. A visual perform. Yeah. <laughs> a visual 
um it was a really fun show uh we hope you enjoy the episode uh we had we had a good time visually performing it for you yes yes but you know i think it'll come through on on audio as well and we're hoping to do more live shows uh in in the near future this was an experiment that i think was a huge success major success so here's the episode hope you enjoy thank you i think that was exciting usually i get naked right i know we're 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 doing kinky switch (laughs) a a kinky switch (laughs) i'm sorry i'm an insult i don't know what i'm talking about Yeah, I'm a virgin. I don't know. Yeah, Um, we're both virgins. Uh, So this movie was really confusing. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to the Bechdel cast. (laughs) Welcome back. Sorry for spilling Mike's heart immediately. That's how you know that we're back. Because I can't even uh, manage my Mike's heart. Um, Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, um, here we are. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome Welcome back. It's a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, how's everybody doing? Does everyone have a drink? Does everyone have peanut M&Ms? Are we all safe? Are we all feeling good? Awesome. Awesome. I thought someone was holding up peanut M&Ms. I was like, (laughs) all right, that's about the energy we're going to be bringing to the show. Uh, thanks for coming. My name is Caitlin Durante. Yeah. My name is Jamie Loftus. And, uh, this is our, this is our podcast, uh, except this time you're looking at us. And we haven't done this in a while. We haven't. What was the last show that we did live? Would have been like Valentine's Day, twenty twenty, right? I don't even remember what it was. Black Swan, show. New York City. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Now you know. Feels like ages ago. Uh, I yeah. Nothing really has happened since then. Uh, I just, nothing. We just sort of kind of fell off. Got pretty lazy. I don't really know. <laughs> I feel very out of uh, practice. I'm uh, stressed out about various articles of my clothes being scattered about the audience. Everyone, they're not going <laughs> to steal it. I, know. <laughs> I Yeah, we were really stressing about, okay, so the whole thing here is that we were really stressing about the opening. We changed the idea for the opening of this a million times. We went to the mall last night looking for tearaway pants that did not materialize. We they were, don't exist anymore. Oh, my God. The woman at Dick's Sporting Goods looked at me like I had 400 heads. I was like, <laughs> and Caitlin, you did not come to my rescue at all. I was like, um, so we're looking <laughs> for pants that have the buttons and you can pull them off. And, well, she, <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, you know, like the, and she's like, I know you're talking about, but this isn't the right store. <laughs> I thought it could have been the right store. So then we just went to the food court and went home. And so, <laughs> and then we figured this out. And then I had these pants, but they don't, they don't even work. They don't work. What I, is this for? I'm wearing two pairs of underwear right now. One of them <laughs> is a thong. I feel so uncomfortable. I just you were, I mean, Caitlin, you you were like, maybe I'll wear the thong. I was like, I I don't even want to show my arms. <laughs> I but I did, but I did. I wore my Shrek bra. <gasps> I have my Shrek. So there's a version of this episode where we came out so confident that Caitlin was wearing a thong, and I took my shirt off and was wearing it. It's two p.m. It wasn't gonna, but you know, <laughs> I was like, everyone's gonna be fucked up. You're not fucked up. <laughs> I've had three sips of my hardened lemonade and I'm ready to pass away. But, you know, there's also, if anyone at any point, I brought uh, one can for the audience. So 
if anyone's like you know like vibing they're like wait this would be so much better if i felt like i had a migraine um that's there got that I think that's <laughs> truly my hero's journey is when this podcast started, I could drink Mike's Hard whenever I want, and now it makes me feel like I died six weeks ago. <laughs> I'm impressed with your character arc. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It is the greatest story <laughs> ever told. Um, well, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're, we're happy to be back, mm -hmm. you know, and we wanted to let you know that we really were gonna do something horny and then we're cowards. Um, I beg to differ. You did something I very did horny, something actually. Very yes, that was horny. beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful. And that's what you get if you don't come to our live shows and you don't know that anyone who's listening at home right now. Sorry, you missed out. You're just going to have to imagine it, but don't send us any emails about it because that's... <laughs> it's wild that you have to say that, but you really do. <laughs> um, True. Okay. Well, okay. Has anyone ever here ever seen the movie Magical Michael? <laughs> <laughs> really? That's his Christian stripper name. <laughs> Magical Michael. <laughs> I was calling this movie so many things in my head. I was calling it Magical Michael. I was calling it Himbo Billy Elegy. <laughs> <laughs> calling it all sorts of... That's the two things. Yeah. Oh, no. I love yeah. it. Um, has anyone not seen Magic Mike? Magical Michael. Oh, wow. Wow. Everyone Losers. did their homework. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss bullying the audience. Wow. That was fun. This is exciting. Um, has anyone been to a live Bechtelcast show before? Wow! Oh my gosh, welcome back. Has anyone not been? <gasps> wow. So many newcomers. You get to see us in the raw. Like those little brown sugar packets. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, I come out and do a striptease before every live show. Yeah, she did that before our Nightmare Before Christmas episode, <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't seem a she did she did she grinded on me for all of what's this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then I was wearing these same pants. <laughs> the context made no sense, but everyone was getting pretty fucking horny. I think that shifting around in their seats and so forth. In my defense, <laughs> we were all asking of that performance of mine, what is this? <laughs> What's this? And the answer was Christmas town? <laughs> When Caitlin grinds on me, which she does all the time, <laughs> it evokes Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, where are we? Yeah, uh, no, no, I feel sick. I, um, <laughs> I like don't, I can't believe I spilled Mike's heart. <laughs> I haven't done that since I was like 22. <laughs> um, you made the hilarious joke backstage, Magic Mike's Hard. I think we should just acknowledge <gasps> yes, that. Yes, Magic Mike's Hard movie is what <laughs> this is uh, and then an extremely magical michael's hard movie <laughs> 2014 did you know. 2015 did you know that there's a third movie in development as we speak no what is it is it an all-girl reboot which would make no ma magical <laughs> michaela <laughs> magical michelle um <laughs> What I let me check to see what it's called. It is called Caitlin. Sorry, uh, IMDb.com scholarly journal. Ever heard of it? Um, Magic Mike's Last Dance. Does he die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
holy shit. That would actually be so amazing if they killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, like, they do like a season one throne game situation where they're like, we all love Magic Mike, but what if he just dropped dead on stage? <laughs> I have a dreams like that sometimes. Oh my. Where you're like, you're having a heart attack on stage and everyone's like, this is such an abstract bit. And, <laughs> and then you die and everyone's like, oh, well, I guess I got my $11 worth. <laughs> well, I doubt he's going to die, but we don't know. Um, should we tell the audience what the show is? Yeah, has anyone here ever not listened to the Bechtel cast before? I have a, har I have a <gasps> harpoon gun with me, but <laughs> feel free to let us know if you haven't listened to our little podcast before. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, <gasps> Listeners, no one raised their hands. Wow, that's exciting. We are so popular. So do uh, we have to tell them? I mean, I guess we do. Well, the listeners at home, again, the losers who couldn't be bothered <sighs> to... <laughs> jackasses who <laughs> didn't have the time to take a first-class flight <laughs> to, to watch me spill Mike's Heart Lemonade while Caitlin grinds on me at 2 p.m. So the show is uh, an examination of movies through an intersectional feminist lens using no. the Bechdel test as a jumping off point. Jamie, tell yeah. me what it is. Well, the Bechdel test is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test. Lots of versions of this test. Our version of the Bechdel test requires that there be two characters of a marginalized gender with names who speak to each other about something other than a man for two lines of dialogue. This movie is complicated in that mm. regard. Yes. It's not a perfect <laughs> metric. No. Um, but, you know, Magic Mike could have had a second female character. You know, but, you know, you know what? Mm. You know what? Hmm. When we do the live shows, we want to like choose fun movies that we don't have a ton of criticisms of. And then backstage, I was like, but what if we talked about semiotics, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, anyways, it's complicated. That's what the show is. Is that okay? Uh, <laughs> thank you. This is a hostage situation. Um, right. So, uh, Caitlin. Yes. To get us started, what is your experience with the film Magical Michael? 2012. My history with Magical Michael is that it came out the year that I started graduate school, where I did go to earn a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston University, which oh. I absolutely hate to mention. I didn't know that. You didn't, because uh, I'd never talk about it. Yeah. But I didn't see movies that entire two-year period in the theaters because I just didn't have time. I was so busy getting a master's oh degree. God. What were you, you were doing, what, homework and classes? <laughs> yeah, and a job. And job? <laughs> and stand-up comedy. Yes. that's how we met. Romantic. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> love you. Should What's I happening? hump your <laughs> leg again? <laughs> yeah, are you a Cocker Spaniel? <laughs> 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 Go nuts. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't see the movie in theaters, uh, which is what all this prelude was. Is that the right word? Anyway. Yes. Um, so I didn't see the movie in theaters, but I saw it like a year after. And I saw the sequel as well, but I had confused the two. And I thought the scene where Channing Tatum has sex with a workbench mm -hmm. was in the first movie. Uh -huh. I was wrong. 
that was just a callback to the first movie. It takes place in the second movie. So I'm all out of sorts. But <laughs> the point is, I've... Your humping cannon is all <laughs> fucked up. Truly. Truly. But uh, I've seen both movies, but they weren't really in my rotation. I don't know why, because Magic Michael, Magical Michael is a good movie. It's a really good movie. I do understand why it may not be in anyone's regular rotation. If it is, that's great. But if it isn't, it's like more of a bummer than you are thinking it's going to be. Right. <laughs> like I under cuz I was like this is going to be horny fun and I was like wow, this is actually a deep interrogation of the 2008 financial crisis. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I get why it's like not a movie that I would. It, it's interesting because I feel like it looks like a movie you would want to watch every single day. Right. But it's actually like maybe a once a year kind of like, wow, yeah, that was a rough point in history. I, I, it's too bad that they don't know it gets so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, that and I already I already had a movie about male strippers in my rotation, yes. the full Monty. So I was like, there uh, can only be one. There can be only one. And, you know, that slot had been that's filled. prejudice against men. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is there should be more of. We've been criticized um, for that before <laughs> in some really carefully worded iTunes reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, what is your relationship with Magical Michael? I did not have a, a relationship with Magical Michael. This movie came out at some point when I was in college. I didn't see it, and then I continued to not see it. I feel like there is, uh, I was aware of, like, there's, like, a faction of women comics who regularly go to see Magic Mike in Vegas. Has anyone ever seen Magic Mike in Vegas? It's like there's a live male mm. strip show yeah. based on this movie, which is kind of fucking incredible. Yeah. It's supposed to be really, really fun. I know like that it's a very popular pilgrimage, I guess, to make. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I had never seen the movie before. I was very excited to see it. I thought it was going to really like lift my spirits and make me horny. And it did. But then sure. immediately after, it reminded me that all that glitters is not gold and that Channing Tatum did not get that bank loan. And right. So it's a, I, I mean, I ended up like really loving and appreciating the movie when I was getting ready for this episode in like ways I was not expecting to. I thought I was going to be like uplifted by horny fun which I was, but then I was immediately taken back down by serious problems and like <laughs> I just I I really liked this movie. I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah. The end. I haven't wow. seen the sequel. Sorry. <gasps> okay. Well, we're I didn't even rewatch it for this because I knew I know that we're just gonna do a separate episode on it. Okay. So do they get okay, no spoilers, but do they get hornier or less horny in the second one? I truly don't remember. <laughs> What's the hump to come ratio? <laughs> In the two, who who's who's come? Are you are, like what? audience? Huh, did you say hump to come? Oh, I just meant strictly on screen. I feel like we can't know. <laughs> <laughs> Off screen, anyone could be coming. I don't know. It's not my business. People come to kind of fucking whatever, you know. <laughs> I misunderstood the question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing like I'm sitting with like a beaker, <laughs> like measuring people's come when they watch Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> I'm a scientist. Um, uh, no, I just I just meant on screen. 
come. I again, I only I remember the scene where Channing Tatum, the titular magical, magical Michael, Michael, yes, has sex with a workbench. Two ponies. Does the workbench come? The workbench obviously comes. Okay. And but that scene pales in comparison to the awesome dance I did earlier today wow <laughs> and then for all of your listeners I mean, that's the thing is like for the listeners they could be coming right now and we wouldn't know <laughs> true and again i feel the need to say if you are coming please don't tell us <laughs> <laughs> okay so so yeah i don't know who's coming off screen i don't want to know who's coming off screen and that is a universally applicable law i will okay last thing i'll say before we get into the recap yeah is okay there's a lot of men in this movie which normally sounds like an accusation (laughs) (laughs) but there is and uh, but the two main mics (laughs) yeah are magical michael yeah. And then there's Magical Michael Jr. Yes, yes, Magical Michael Jr., aka Adam. Which every mm. time that someone people can't name characters Adam anymore because I, I, I'm like, it was taken by I Frankenstein and the Bible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but mostly I Frankenstein. But mostly I Frankenstein. The Bible was actually adapted from I Frankenstein. <laughs> oh God, that part <laughs> in I Frankenstein where the the what is it like the Goblin Queen is talking to Aaron Eckhart, <laughs> playing horny Frankenstein. <laughs> no one knows what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, there, what I was saying is I wasn't expecting Magical Michael Jr. to be, in my head, the guy from Beastly. Right. Which, if you... Okay, and then I have to unpack that now. <laughs> Beastly was a 2011 adaptation of Beauty and the Beast starring Vanessa Hudgens and this guy. <laughs> In which Vanessa Hudgens plays a 14-year-old at age 50. And uh, this guy, who's also 500, uh, plays the Beast, but he's just, like, hot topic. Like, right. I feel like he just has some, like, facial scarring, and they're like, he's hideous. It's, again, eye party facial scarring. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, don't look at me. <laughs> and Vanessa's like, okay. Like, I don't... Okay, I have to return to something from earlier. The f- what? the the hump to come ratio. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I was confused by the question because, to my knowledge, who even comes in the movie? Well, uh, the hump to come ratio can be zero to a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Okay, I don't, do we fair. see? I don't know if we see anyone. I see. Okay, the other thing is in movies, I feel like ah uh, equals come. Right. I don't think we actually, I mean, and I don't think, I mean, this is like, what, a PG-13 movie? I, I'm not expecting to see fucking ejaculate. <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> uh, like, that's cut. But who even goes, uh? I don't think Magical that even... Michael Jr., he goes, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's male. <laughs> There's, uh, uh, and uh. <laughs> And then there's like, you know, (laughs) there's a whole spectrum of of sounds you can make. I'm familiar. And there's toot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we just, we have to move on. Should I do the recap? Yeah. All right, everyone, give it up for Caitlin's famous recap. Yeah. 
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter. Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, we've already gone way off the rails. (laughs) What if I was like, I don't even remember what happens in this movie because I was too busy watching Channing Tatum's arms. Oh my God, then we would be like, (laughs) there's a funny uh, parallel universe where this is like this same podcast, but it's really girl boss vibes (laughs) where Uh (laughs) we're like, I don't know, I couldn't pay attention due to the pecs. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, to be fair, I am paying attention to them, but but academically. (laughs) Yeah, we have to talk about the female gaze. In a scholarly way, I'm looking (laughs) at his pecs for my job. (laughs) All right, so here we go. We meet Dallas, played by Matthew McConaughey, who I'll just interrupt myself right now. I hate him so much. (laughs) This movie would be like 23% better without Dallas, a.k.a. Matthew McConaughey. Okay, so he is the owner of a male strip club in Tampa, Florida. Ever heard of it? We don't Tampa is a character in the movie. It is. Yes. Do we ever learn the name of the strip club? I don't think so. They keep like panning up to the... Oh, someone's nodding. Wait, what's the name of the club? Exquisite. Ex- oh, yes. Exquisite. Yes. 
exquisite. Sorry, we were hitting the emphasis wrong. Thank you so much. Would you like some Mike's heart? <laughs> I love it. Someone's helping me out and I'm punishing them. Um, if anyone does that, does anyone want a small uh, glass of Mike's heart? I have a mango. Wait, I have. Okay. Go ahead. Caitlin, you keep recapping. I'm going to, I just have to do something. Okay, so he's going over the ground rules of the club. Then we meet Magical Michael. That's Channing Tatum. He has just had a threesome with Joanna, played by Olivia Munn, and some other lady whose name they don't remember. So this movie was like deliberately like, we're not even going to try to pass the Bechtel test <laughs> because we hate giving women names. Um, and just in case you had any shred of doubt, about whether a Channing Tatum character fucks. <laughs> he fucks. Uh, the movie wants you to know that right away. We learn that Magical Michael makes artisanal furniture that um, looks like shit, honestly. It's so <laughs> ugly. <laughs> but, you know, good for his artistic vision or whatever. Um, his dream is to sell his pieces for money and for that to be his full-time job. Until then, he does he has a, several other jobs such as a roofing job where he meets Adam, played by Alex Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> Adam Frankenstein, <laughs> aka Magical Michael Jr., mm. aka Alex Pettifer, aka the kid from Beastly. Yes. Uh, he is 19 years old. He's kind of a mess. He does not have his shit together. He He's kind of a fun, like, combination of Florida man tropes with angry teenager tropes. Yeah. Where they're like, he beat up his football coach. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah, I think I understand right. who this character is. <laughs> yes. He lives with his sister, Brooke, played by Cody Horn. And she is trying to help him get some steady work. That night, Adam Frankenstein bumps <laughs> into Mike, who's outside of a dance club. Mike brings him into a strip club where Adam is surprised to learn that Mike is a male stripper. But not just a male stripper, the king of the male strippers. He's... He he's like the male stripper. It's really, it's kind of ex an exciting reveal where he's like, I'm Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, I'm not Batman. I'm the Batman 2022 starring Robert Pattinson. What, I was like, I haven't seen it yet. Does he say that in the movie? <laughs> yeah. He points at a picture of Christian Bale and he's like, I'm not Batman. I'm he's like Batman. Michael Keaton. No, 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 no. I'm not those Batmans. I'm the Batman. I'm the Batman. <laughs> Anyway, so um, <laughs> Adam learns that Mike is a male stripper. Dallas gives Adam, who everyone starts calling the kid. So he gives the kid, a.k.a. Adam, a job doing props for the night at the club. Adam meets the other male strippers, whose names are Big Dick Richie, <laughs> Ken, Tito, and Tarzan. I feel like that is, first of all, in every friend group, there is <laughs> one Big Dick Richie, one Ken, one Tito, one Tarzan. Two. And which one are, uh, uh, well, which, which are you of that? Oh, my gosh. Um, 
round of applause if you think I'm the big dick Richie. <laughs> All right, well, that's that. That settles it. So I'm big dick Richie. All right. I, and I, what am I... <laughs> I'm adding Frankenstein. No. <laughs> uh, Jamie is obviously Tarzan. Question. I'll be Tarzan. Wow, we're kind of like fucking hunks. <laughs> yeah, like big hulking, hunky kind of. Okay, well, it's nice. To, you know, it's nice to know every once in a while. This show's been on for a long time. It's just nice to know like how we're perceived by our audience. <laughs> right. And so, big dick Richie Tarzan. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Yes. Yeah. There's also Tobias the DJ, who I guess is our like Aristotle. <laughs> Don't put him in that <laughs> corner. That's not fair. Yeah, I'm kidding, obviously. Um we but there is a Tobias the DJ played by Gabriel Iglesias. Yes. And they're all goofing with Adam. Uh Mike shows him the ropes. Then it's time for the show. Okay. So <laughs> pretty exciting it's exciting they dance they uh, hump uh, uh. <laughs> there's a little bit of uh and then there's a little bit of uh. <laughs> i kept thinking about the chairs in that club <laughs> and uh -huh. how they just like probably have to like wipe the foam off the chairs every night is that how cum <laughs> works sorry i'm a virgin <laughs> Yes, understandably, someone from the audience said foam, and they, you were right. Um. <laughs> I'm <laughs> okay, we're gonna sidebar after the. <laughs> is that not healthy? <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're fine, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no, it's fine. Okay, so the whole, the whole thing is a sight to behold, uh, which is what I wrote in my notes. Um, the very, very boomer mom of you. <laughs> That's a boomer mom at any strip club. What a sight what to behold. What a sight to behold. Mike is usually front and center in all of this, although we do see different dancers' individual acts. And then when it's time for Tarzan's act, Jamie's act, he turns out to be passed out backstage. Oh. So. <laughs> well, now that feels like a targeted and aggressive. <laughs> So Mike throws Adam on stage to fill the spot, and Adam sucks at dancing, but Dallas and Mike see his potential, so they decide to bring him into the group. Mm -hmm. The next morning, Mike drives Adam home, and Mike meets Adam's sister, Brooke, and we're like, uh-oh, love interest alert. She's... She's doing this thing that, and I really liked her performance and I like this actor, but she's doing this thing where it's like very 2012 of like, I'm awkward. <laughs> and you're like, I know. Like, mm. <laughs> but she's kind of, she keeps being like, um, I, mm, <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, I get, I get it. Yeah. But she's in like a bikini. She's the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen right. in my life. But she's like, I'm awkward. <laughs> like, okay. Hey, we exist. I'm kidding. <laughs> In defense of my community. <laughs> okay, so Mike has met Brooke, and Mike reassures Brooke that he will take care of Adam. So then Mike takes Adam shopping for some stripper apparel, which is also a very boomer mom way to... <laughs> stripper apparel? Identify that, yes. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, I was hoping that we would get a 
shopping montage from men because we always get so many yeah. shopping montages from from the gals, but um, we never get. It. I would have loved to see the the kid from Beastly try on a bunch of outfits that looked not good, and then Chan, mm-hmm. Channing Tatum's there with like thumbs up or down, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, like girls just want to have fun as playing. <laughs> It's like Lizzie McGuire-esque is what I was hoping for. Similarly, I thought he was going to get a like haircut type makeover too. Cause he has like a scruffy scruff. He has like a haircut that's like a little unkempt. I thought they were gonna like clean him up, but yeah. they're like, no, you're you look perfect actually. And they're in they're in Tampa, so you know. <laughs> But yeah, I was expecting I the Tampa, same thing. By the way, mm-hmm. um, but you can have you know facial hair is not an issue in that region. <laughs> uh, okay, so Adam now has all this stripper apparel, and Brooke discovers it, and she's like, "What the hell is this, brother?" And he's like, "It's for work." Um, we cut to Brooke at the club, where she is watching her brother do a sexy dance. Looking so contemplative. <laughs> She's looking at him like, do I like this? I'm like... <laughs> right. It's right. complicated. She is watching very attentively, and we're like, uh, I, I guess. I, I feel like you can, there are so many ways to support your brother horny dancing, and staring at him really hard just like doesn't feel like the best way. No. You can like be present without staring at him really hard. <laughs> Right. And also, so at this point, Adam has gotten much better at dancing. Mm-hmm. Then she sticks around for Mike's act. To be fair, Mike is always popping up around Brooke and being like, you should stick around. Like, that's right. kind of his thing. Like He's, he's like, breakfast food! <laughs> at one point, he tells her to stick around her own home. I'm like, I think she will. Like... <laughs> She lives here. I think she will stick around. Um, but when they're at the club, he specifically says, you should stick around. Because he knows he's about to do the sexy worm. Which is how I refer to all of Channing Tatum's dancing. Right. So she watches him dance to Pony by Genuine. Again, that performance pales in comparison to the one I did That's just true. a half hour ago. Yeah. But, you know... let. Round of applause for for Channing Tatum's effort is is what you're applauding. But again, it sucks compared to mine. That was uh, garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zoe Kravitz should be dating you. Are they dating? Yes. <gasps> I read okay newsletters. <laughs> <laughs> and Brooke sees this and she's like, "Wow, not as good as Caitlyn, but I'm pretty impressed still." Then we see Mike try to get a loan from a bank to start his furniture business. And even though he has cash for a down payment, he has bad credit, so they won't give him the loan. Then Mike, Adam, and Brooke all go to a 4th of July party. They're becoming such good friends. I also wrote that in my notes. (laughs) That's also Mike bursts into their home at sunrise and is like, we're going to a party. (laughs) And then, you know, she's like, it's 7 a.m. And he's like, do you want to stick around? (laughs) It's like, you just climbed through her fucking window, dude. Like, (laughs) yeah. But then she's like, okay, maybe there's something here. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. So then. Buscemi tests that. 
Right. I'm saying Steve Buscemi burst into your house. I mean, also wearing a Marilyn Buscemi Monroe does, costume. Like, I, if Steve Buscemi broke into my home, I would let him do anything to me. <laughs> but I mean, the idea in general. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So they go to this Fourth of July party, and Mike and Brooke are kind of vibing. But Mike is still, he's still fucking Joanna here and there, but she's kind of aloof. So that doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere. I, and she also like, she's working on her masters and I was like, wow, it's Caitlin. <gasps> it is me. Caitlin's fucking Channing Tatum and she could have it either way. Mm-hmm. That's Meanwhile, where he learned I'm Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Dallas then announces that he has bought a club in Miami and he's moving the whole operation there from Tampa. Uh, He says that Mike will make 7.5% of the profits from this new venture, although Dallas originally had promised 10%. So Mike is like, what the fuck? Yeah, Mike is very Cheryl Sandberging on his own behalf for much of this movie where mm. he's and I and I, and usually when I say Cheryl Sandberg I mean it as a pejorative, but <laughs> in this case like he's repeatedly trying to be like, "No, I I want the correct amount of money." And mm-hmm. no one ever gives Mike the correct o- amount of money, which is true. <laughs> partially why this is kind of a tragic move. Anyways, yeah. well, we're getting to the part where it gets even sadder. So. <laughs> right. So things from this point on start to go downhill for pretty much all the characters, starting with Adam, because he starts doing drugs. Which drugs? I don't know. The ones that come in party packs. They're, no, it's, he's doing ecstasy. <laughs> he's doing, he's ecstasy, doing ecstasy. But then they're also like, oh, I don't know. He was probably on G. And I was like, what's G? <laughs> oh, you don't know what G is? Everyone play along. <laughs> Caitlin doesn't even know what G is. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> We're all fucked up on G right now. <laughs> I don't, I can't wake up without a cup full of steaming hot G. <laughs> yeah, they have various uh, units of G lying around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> G units? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Feeling like it's 2006. (laughs) Okay, so he starts doing drugs, and he also starts selling drugs with Tobias. Meanwhile, Mike and Brooke continue to vibe. Every time you say Tobias, I think it's Arrested Development. (laughs) Tobias Funke. (laughs) Tobias Funke. He's selling G. Yeah. So Mike and Brooke are vibing still more. And he asks if she wants to go get some food sometime. And she's like, oh, like on a date? And he's like, no, I don't know. Well, you should, she's also dating tall Paul. Yes. Um, who sucks. And we get, I, I thought it was a very fun, effective use of dialogue, how you find out tall Paul sucks in a single line of dialogue. Like, he's just sounding like a fucking dork. Like, what does he yeah. say? Like, he's like... He's, he's talking about whatever the 2012 equivalent of crypto is. And you're just like, all right, I'm asleep. Like, break up with Tall Paul. Right. Yeah. He gets dumped. I don't even, you know, poor Tall Paul. Maybe he's a great guy. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> so Mike and Adam then do a gig at a sorority. Adam gives one of the girls an ecstasy pill. <laughs> or maybe it's like a unit of G, you know? <laughs> And 
all of the bros at the sorority are like, oh my God, did you give my girl ecstasy? And they're like, no. And then there's like this huge fight. It escalates quickly. And Mike and Adam have to like get the fuck out of there. And Adam leaves behind his backpack, which is full of the units of drugs that he has been selling with Tobias. Nothing gets between a 19-year-old boy and his backpack. And that's... <laughs> Just a fact. Anything that's in the backpack, if it's a 19-year-old boy, is mm. not good. <laughs> it's not good. True. Yeah. Things continue to spiral out of control. Like, Mike gets in an argument with Dallas. Mike learns that Joanna is engaged. Then one night, Mike and Adam get all fucked up. And then the next morning, Adam is passed out in his own vomit. Brooke comes in and freaks out, and she's like, what did you do to my brother? You were supposed to take care of him. And we're like, wow, she's being so shrill. <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly that's, how Mike that's treats That's how her. everyone handled They're like, why is she she's being so ridiculous? I'm like, her brother is like almost maybe dead. dead. <laughs> and he's like, chill, chill. I'm like, <laughs> I'm maybe not advocating for Magical Michael as much as the movie wants me to. <laughs> right. Yes. If my little brother was, I just, oh God, I, I kept connecting really hard with Brooke in this movie because I have a, a little brother and I was like, if my brother was passed out in a pile of his own vomit and some himbo told me to chill, <laughs> I would fucking murder him. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, that's my fucking brother. Like there's. Uh, okay. So then some dudes come in and trash Mike's place because they're looking for Adam who turns out to have lost way more units of drugs than he had said he units of did. what drugs G but could you G. be more specific okay thank you units of G yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is G <laughs> don't tell her <laughs> it's grapes it's wine <laughs> I'll figure it out by the end okay so Adam owes Tobias like 10 grand so Mike, ten ten <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike pays off Adam's debt with the money he had been saving for his furniture business. So and we're like, oh no, we can't have those ugly ass tables made out of bottles washed <laughs> up on the shore of the fucking ocean. <laughs> but good for him. Good for him. <laughs> Mike goes to talk to Adam and he runs into Brooke. They have a very tense conversation and she's like, you know what? Miami is just going to be a bigger, badder version of this and I don't really believe in you. So nothing gets resolved here yet. Then Adam and Mike kind of reconcile. Adam tells Mike that he'll pay him back for all of those 10 Gs. Jeez. That scene is, I mean, we'll get back to that scene. That scene was so frustrating to me because that was like, Adam is such a, I feel, I feel for Adam, but he's such a fucking mess in that scene where he's like talking to Mike. He's like, yeah, it's all good. We're going to go to Miami and everything's going to be great. And you're like, it's not going to be great. You're so mm -mm. fucked, my man. But, <laughs> but like, hang on to this moment, I guess. Right. And then it's the last show in Tampa before the big move to Miami. And Mike ends up bailing on this show and he goes to Brooke and she's like, wow, I heard what you did for my brother. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to go to Miami after all. He's like, Bleh. <laughs> and she's like, ah. <laughs> well, first she's like, let's smooch and then we'll get breakfast together. And then he's like, oh, right. And then they go. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go. And then. <laughs> 
sorry, we're a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. So there you go. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, boy. Where do we want to start with this movie? Um, Do you want to start by, should we palate cleanse? Should you grind on me again? (laughs) Before we kind of get into it? Yeah, we should do like a little intermission and then <laughs> where everyone hump. can. How is everyone doing with their mics? Is everyone good? Is everyone good? They're, the people who I gave mics are, have passed out. <laughs> they're, they're like, I feel sick. No, everyone's good. For all, for all the listeners, everyone I gave Mike's Heart Lemonade to is alive. And where should we start with the discussion of this movie? I feel um, like there's, there's so much more going on in this movie than, I mean, this is, I feel like it's an interesting case of, cause I went back, uh, cause I didn't see this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. I was very curious about how this movie was marketed. Cause I vaguely remembered how it was marketed sure. and it is marketed not for what the movie is. It is not marketed as like a uh, movie that is like 80% about the 
interpersonal struggles of male strippers. It's marketed mm-hmm. as f- 90 minutes of male strippers dancing. Yes. Um, which is kind of, I feel like, been the legacy of the movie because there's the Vegas show, there's all this stuff. And that's like neither a good nor a bad thing. But I just think it's an interesting case of like, it was very much marketed as like, horny, 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 fun, fun, fun. Where the movie's like, doing doing horny fun but also doing all this other stuff that wasn't present in the trailer or the marketing or like the magazine covers or anything like that like you think you're getting 90 minutes of himbos but you're getting himbos and pathos (laughs) right which is the formula for any good movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate the the movie for what it is. I think if it was just like himbos, uh, you're saying you wouldn't like it if it was just himbos. Get a grip. I mean, or, <laughs> it would have been fun if it was just himbos, but I I, I liked yeah. that it wasn't. Right. I mean, well, what the what would the plot have been? I mean, you can just go to a male strip sh- show if you just want to see ninety minutes of himbos, which I have, right. <laughs> and it costs a lot more than it does to see magic mike and that's a good thing because you if you're going to a strip show you're not tipping well that's not good yeah um okay (laughs) so what were we talking about uh yeah the marketing i i will say i think there's something to be said for so i I know uh a lot of men have seen this movie brave of you um but i think there is something to be said for a movie that has almost an entirely like I guess straight women fan base, because don't leave bisexual women out of that equation. Because we're also you're absolutely right for it. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> no, that, no, no, no. <laughs> that was by erasure on my part, and yes. I apologize. Um, yeah. I guess any gender who likes Channing Tatum, which it actually really broadens the scope, right? right. <laughs> And now we're back to a circle. <laughs> any gender and any sexuality who yeah. likes Channing Tatum, this is the target demo for yeah. this movie. So, um, but, you know, in kind of a narrower scope, it's like a lot of horny women who are into this movie. And uh, I think that's cool. The yeah. end of my awesome thought. <laughs> awesome thoughts with Caitlin. Um, <laughs> No, I I, th- I agree. I feel like there's not a lot of movies that are catered to <laughs> horny women who want dick. Like that, right? That's great. I I, I love that, and I uh, include myself there. <laughs> um, Brave. Th- thank you so mm. much. You know, not a lot of. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I but I I really liked. Um, I mean, Magical Michael himself. Yes. A complex character. True. Uh, I, I feel like there's there's so much going on with him where you, even before you see him strip, I liked how I sort of expected him to be stripping right away and then it, right. just to be a 90-minute MP4 of <laughs> Channing Tatum stripping. But the context for this movie is it's Channing, Stata- uh, Channing Statham. <laughs> I was Jason Statham, Channing Tatum. <laughs> I was making himbos into one person sure (laughs) um no channing tatum was a stripper in florida and was trying to make a movie about that experience and was looking for a director to shape that with him he originally wanted the director from drive Mm. nicholas winding refn which would have been like a very different movie with way more bisexual lighting (laughs) yeah 
but ended up like he happened to be working with Steven Soderbergh at the time. Steven Soderbergh was like, I could make a movie about himbos. And Channing Tatum, <laughs> who seems like a very affable person, like was like, yeah, make a movie about himbos. Like, mm-hmm. and um, sort of like built out this world that it is not like directly autobiographical because it sounds like the men who were in this movie got like a lot of say in who their characters were and like building out their individual routines and like. I guess that the guys who play the strippers in the movie got to figure out like what their individual act was, which gives me mm. a lot of questions about who chose to be the Ken doll. <laughs> sure. I um, mean, I have a lot of questions about Tarzan. Tarzan. I mean, <laughs> ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like that in that, but most of the movie is about kind of like magical Michael's struggle outside of sex work um which is interesting right i think this movie does uh, and because we've talked we've had a number of conversations about sex work and specifically stripping on the show with various movies we've covered like hustlers zola even like coyote ugly (laughs) and uh full monty and the full monty yeah right so a lot of these movies focus on women who are doing sex work and stripping and i feel like i mean the issues and the scrutiny that sex workers face i feel like disproportionately affect women and non-binary uh sex workers especially those of color and male sex workers often get left out of the conversation but you know they deserve to have their lives be represented on screen too wow wow okay mra (laughs) I I would like to distance myself from Caitlin at this time <laughs> as she bravely defends men. <laughs> but I will say, though, that this movie, unlike others that we've covered on the podcast that focus on women in sex work, presents the sex work as like far more glitzy and glamorous in the way that women don't have that same luxury of being presented their work, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 it's, I mean, we can't speak on behalf of men, even though we have many times. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that the way that sex work is presented in this movie, I, I, it's, it's complicated, right? Because it's not presented as like fully like this is the answer and like this is an extremely uh, empowering. It's presented as a means to an end, which I feel like has a lot to do with the time period that this movie was made in and takes place in mm-hmm. which introduces this like bizarre subgenre that we now have which is like recession sex work uh, <laughs> but this like this and hustlers very much belong in that like expanded universe of like late 2000s recession um mm-hmm. sex work like because that's when magic mike was developed and that's i mean by the time hustlers came out it was a period piece right. in in that uh, which uh hope everyone feels elderly hearing that <laughs> Um, but in any case, I mean, I think it's really interesting the way that male sex workers are presented in this movie versus women sex workers strictly because it's like, it's not presented as like, it's the exact opposite, but it's just like a separate set of issues, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's like, they are performing masculinity for an audience that is foaming at the loins for it. And that's great. Fo- foaming. Yes. Right. They're not... 
there's a lot of issues that are shared where it's like the uh, financial issues and like, I mean, you can almost argue like a gig economy style issue of like they're dependent on tips mm-hmm. um, and other outside of that fucking McConaughey has given them 50 bucks a night, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. um, in any year. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, for someone supporting your in like making your entire business is 50 plus tips is, is, is just bullshit. Right. And, so they, there's, there are some shared issues and then there's also issues that kind of separate performers where it doesn't seem like you don't really get the feeling that the 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 magical Michaels of yes. this world, like they are not made to feel unsafe in the way that we see women sex workers and marginalized sex workers in general mm-hmm. are generally made to feel. They have problems that are independent of that. They're like performing masculinity to this wild extent. And I always thought it was like, I don't know. I like watch this movie three times to get ready because I, I like to be horny mm-hmm. and I like to think about class issues. <laughs> so <laughs> this movie is like uniquely tuned to my interests. Um, but stuff where it's like Channing Tatum cannot, uh, I can't get it out of the danger field zone here. He can't get no respect <laughs> when, but like right. in, in certain settings where he's like performing manual labor, which is like, when he's roofing, when he's doing construction work, when he's doing all these other side gigs that he's doing, which also very much puts him in, you know, like this age and in the recession specifically, um, he is not compensated correctly. He's always having to advocate for himself to be Mm -hmm. compensated well. But when he performs those tasks on stage, when he performs as a construction worker, like he gets a ton of money and it's just, I don't, I mean, I don't have a finishing thought, but you're (laughs) just like, maybe we should just all strip our jobs (laughs) instead of doing them. Yeah. Let's strip podcasting. No, no, no. Podcasting should be, um, eradicated. Eradicated. (laughs) It should be illegal. (laughs) We do have the most embarrassing job. Um, Anyways. Wow! Hello. Bringing <laughs> the show to a screeching halt. Um, I well th- that and he's unable to get that bank loan. So like the man or like you know the the banks and that whole those like financial institutions don't respect him or and th- that's like true for I think sex workers across the gender spectrum, mm-hmm. where um he has a stack of so much money and they're just like. Well, um, your credit score sucks because we rely, like, what even is credit? I don't know. But uh, he can't get any respect because of that because he says, like, his businesses deal exclusively in cash. and Yeah, uh, right. And, and then it's like he's immediately judged on the hearing of that because that has, like, an implication that the bank loan person is like, well, you're not going to get a loan. Right. Which I, I feel like the movie plays that off very, very well. Like, that scene with the bank employee... I, I really, I had to watch it back a couple of times because it's this combination of like, he is being actively discriminated against for, you know, even implying like that he is a sex worker. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, he also kind of gets like injured by the rejection where, where the bank loan person is like, well, there's a program that we can like help you out with. And then I feel like it was like a kind of a a very masculine response to be like, I don't need help. No, Mm. it's fine. I'm going to go. And you're like, no, he calls her sweetheart. (laughs) What about your ugly furniture? (laughs) I like to think that he like gives her his business plan or whatever. And she was like, maybe considering giving him a loan. But then when she sees his furniture, she's like, um, sorry, I cannot give you this loan. (laughs) 
it has nothing to do with uh, big banks. It's just, I don't want to support whatever this is. I also, I was like, imagine someone who, not to keep dunking on Channing Tatum's fictional furniture, but imagine someone who makes furniture that looks like that coming into your house and being like, is this chair from Ikea? And it's like, go fuck yourself, man. You're making a fucking like table out of like a pane of glass and and five of these, you know, like <laughs> five Mike's hard cans. I'm yes. sorry, yes, it's an audio, audio medium. medium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyways, an impactful scene. <laughs> yeah, she is so horny for him at the beginning of that scene, though. She's like, fumbling. but that's another. I feel like that was another thing, though. Is like that is like what magical Michael uh, <laughs> kind of reverts to is like I'm very charming like I can mm-hmm. pull people into my gravitational Channing Tatum field very easily but yeah. even that isn't enough to get past the discrimination of giving bank loans to someone who is giving you all the money that is necessary but it because it's all the money that's necessary as a sex worker it's a problem right yeah yeah it's also not enough to reel in Brooke right away either. A little bit of pride and prejudice energy going on here. (laughs) She's got some pride and she's got some prejudice. (laughs) Do we want to transition to talking about Brooke? Let's do it. Okay. Here's my first thought. Okay. Ready? (laughs) Yeah. Should I get in the receiving position? (laughs) I'm going to straddle you again. Are you going to straddle me again? Okay, so I feel like a lot of movies do this, where there are a number of female characters. There's one main one, and then there are a few secondary or tertiary characters. And most of the female characters in the movie are presented in a way that's not especially empathetic. So take this movie, for example. The Olivia Munn character is, you know, aloof. She's standoffish. She's unavailable and then she turns out to be deceitful because she didn't let him know that she was engaged uh you have your kind of like quote-unquote ditzy women like the two 21 year olds who like go to the club at the beginning you have various women but none of them are presented as being like viable options for our hero except for one so i feel like that's like a very like screenwritery like show don't tell kind of way of just like flat out saying she's not like the other girls she's better because all these other girls kind of suck right and and that is like i mean that fits very cleanly into like the steven soderbergh uh, expanded universe also it's I, I it is kind of like a writing shortcut for a male screenwriter that's like i don't know why this woman is a character <laughs> they're like oh what if she like negs him a little bit at the beginning and instead of that playing out as it would in the real world which is him not talking to her anymore <laughs> it ends up being uh romantic mm-hmm I that said I like Brooke as a character. Like, I do I do like her, but there are moments in the movie where I wasn't totally sure how we were supposed to feel about her. Right. And especially because like Mike mistreats her for different chunks. He keeps breaking into her home, I will say. He's like almost every time they meet, he's like kicking the door down fucking Kool-Aid man style, being like, (laughs) We're going to a party. Like they're which I know, like I think the in the in the world of the movie, it's like 
she needs to get out of her shell a little bit. Mm. She is like, seems like she really isolates herself. It seems, he calls and, her uptight. He's like, she's uptight. She can't hang. She's so freaking uptight. It's, it's weird to me. Cause it's like, I feel like this movie is like a, a, a weird situation where it's like halfway there where like, I, I like Brooke and I feel like I understand why she's doing the things she's doing where she's kind of in this bizarre care like middling caretaker position Mm -hmm. for a young adult sibling who she can't technically say no to but who is still not mature enough to do fucking anything Mm -hmm. the beastly kid can't do shit (laughs) you know and like so she has to be his mom but she can't be his mom because he can legally do whatever he wants Mm -hmm. and she has to support both of them because she has to we don't really know what the situation is with their parents but like it seems like she is kind of his primary caretaker and that he mm. certainly can't take care of himself. And so you understand like why it's like, yeah, she doesn't have time to go out a lot. Like, but it seems, right. it seems like the movie understands that in some scenes. And then in, in other scenes that kind of like paints her as like a character who is uptight where it's like, well, when is she going to find the fucking time to be a horny little slut? You know? <laughs> Right. There's only so many hours in the day. If there were more hours in the day, maybe more of us would be hornier, littler sluts. <laughs> I don't know. Profound. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Merch <But> forthcoming. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he Mike's flirtation tactic is just to be very pushy. Um, I don't hate all of their interactions, but... He is not being very cool to her a lot of the time, especially in that scene where we already referenced this, but Adam is like passed out face first in his own vomit. A pig is ugh, eating it so gross. I, um, I was like, wow, uh, a woman with a little pig before Ariana Grande. I didn't know it happened. <laughs> I thought Ariana Grande invented having a little pig as a personality. Oh, wow. Uh, but there was this character in Magic Mike. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Nora? Is that her name? Doesn't seem like the name of a young character, but yes. Right. Anyway, so yeah, and she's another female character who we're like, oh no, she's almost like a femme fatale for Adam because she's giving him G units every day. (laughs) I can't hear you say G units. It's so funny. (laughs) So anyway, um, there's a scene where Brooke comes in. She's very reasonably upset, especially after Mike had promised to take care of uh, her brother, especially after he had like kind of roped him into this job that she, and there's a whole other conversation to be had about her views on sex work. But the point is Adam is like maybe OD'd and dead and she's upset about it. (laughs) And he's like, why are you so upset? Why, why don't he, he like, tells her chill, to, babe, babe, he literally says, calm down, you need to relax. And then he says, you're acting crazy right now. And then he's also kind of like manhandling her throughout this scene. Cause she's yeah. trying to like help her brother and he keeps pulling her off of him. And then there's the, her being like disapproving of his lifestyle, AKA she's not very tolerant of the sex work that he's doing to the movie's credit, he does, you know, try to explain, like, there are other facets of my person. Uh, Boomer mom! <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah. yeah. No, 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 I know what you're saying. <laughs> like, I mean, this this all feels done 
for me, it was done pretty self, like in a in a self aware way by the movie of like this is a care like because there are I, I'm sure especially you know ten years ago in 2012 like there I'm sure were a lot of people in the audience who would connect with like I don't understand sex work or sex workers and I am like passing this judgment mm -hmm. that is not necessary and to see a character go from point A to point Z on that subject may have been helpful because it feels right. like the movie at least going in is aware of that. And I, I, I like, I cut this movie a, a lot of slack in that it was conceived and made as a way of helping people who do not understand sex work or respect it for the work that it very much is and should be respected as to recognize that. And I feel like that is like, it feels like kind of the mission of the movie to humanize sex workers while also like making it clear that like this is fucking work you know yes um but the thing with brooke is that she doesn't agree to be with him and smooch him until mm -hmm. he's like i'm actually not gonna go to miami after all and that's true she's yeah. like so it's not totally clear the extent of her disapproval like the extent to which that affects Mike's decision to not go. But it seems like he really wants to be with her, especially after she's like, oh, you're such a loser because you're a 30-year-old stripper. And then he's like, oh, my God, I don't want to be a 30-year-old stripper. Oh, no, like, I want to impress 30-year-old strippers are, like, cool. The coolest. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels as though that affects his decision to not go to Miami and basically not pursue stripping anymore because she's like well what are you gonna do then and he's like well, i don't know i'll just go eat some breakfast or something and well i think that that is though that is like complicated by the other stuff going on in mike's life which is like why this movie is like it's tricky you don't know exactly like it's a combination of factors because i agree with what you're saying mm -hmm. of i i don't think that the trajectory of her understanding and respecting sex work gets where it needs to be and right. it feels like dated in that aspect and then you also see this like it feels like this very like recession based issue of another like there are a couple different reasons why mike leaves the club and i'm not even convinced and if i'm i don't know what happens in the second magic mike i wasn't even convinced that he was going to leave sex work entirely my understanding was like he's leaving this club because matthew mcconaughey is a fucking asshole right. who won't pay him what he's worth and like there's this whole whatever like mirror aspect where he's looking at the kid from beastly and the kid from beastly is a younger version of himself that's kind of like self-destructing and in spite of the fact that I think Brooke naively said like this one guy is going to, that I don't really know is going to protect my brother from all of this shit. Mm -hmm. um, all of the units of G. Yeah. Every single G unit <laughs> in the world. Like you can't just be like, Oh, I met a hot guy. So my brother is safe forever. Like that's kind <laughs> of on her for assuming that that would be true. But there's a number of factors that gets Mike out of this club specifically. And right. I guess I didn't view it as like he was leaving sex work forever. I viewed it as like he's leaving this toxic situation because Matthew McConaughey and his ridiculous fucking hat won't give him 10%. <laughs> right. And like he's never going to get the equity he's been promised in the situation that he's in. And even like his protege is kind of turning his back on him. And so it's kind of like 
fuck it. I, I, I thought it was like empowering that Mike left that toxic situation, mm-hmm. but also that can be read as he's leaving sex work because he wants to be with this girl. So it's like, it's a, it's a, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of ways it's to look at it. It's too ambiguous yeah. on something that needs to be pretty explicitly clear, mm-hmm. especially because like he even says during one of the scenes at the end, he's like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be a 40 year old stripper in right. Miami as if like being a 40 year old stripper would be pathetic for him. So I think that we're supposed to believe that he's like in the process of coming around on sex work and he's gonna really uh go make this ugly ass furniture (laughs) (laughs) and that's what brooke would approve of so and i um bravely did some research and found some accounts from real life male strippers Mm -hmm. who did criticize the end of this movie because they interpret it as Mike giving up stripping because his new girlfriend didn't approve of it. And they were like, a lot of male strippers have families and they do it well into their forties and later. And it's not shameful for me or it's not embarrassing. They said that they do it because they love entertaining and they love dancing. So well, they that, were not pleased with how this the end of this movie pans out because it does seem to kind of come down on the side of like sex work is something that you can do for a little while while you're young, but it's just sort of a stepping stone to quote unquote more serious work. And that kind of like gets into a- another thing that I think we need to talk about for this movie, which is that I feel like that issue could have been more clearly addressed outside of Mike's character if we knew the other dancers a little better because right. I, I thought it was kind of bizarre where I, I don't know where I got this notion from, but I sort of came in with the notion that we were going to get the entire cast story kind mm-hmm. of kind of like and in the full Monty, right? Like it, it was, it, it was just like, I thought we were going to kind of get to know everybody, which the movie kind of, vaguely tries to do but in a very unsatisfactory way where sometimes you'll learn like you learn one or two things about every stripper that isn't Mike or Adam but it's mostly in passing lines of dialogue the strippers are majority white the strippers who aren't white it's repeatedly pointed out that they aren't white and Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't get like I feel like there is an opportunity to represent a wider spectrum of male strippers through the six or seven or eight guys that are on the the poster of the movie, but you really only get to know two of them Mm -hmm. and they fall into this very narrow, like I only want to be a stripper for a certain amount of time, which is okay. But it's like, there is such, like you're saying, like there is such a wide variety of experience Mm -hmm. in stripping and in sex work in general that it's like, well, you need to show more if you're trying to make the male stripper movie, which was already done in the full Monty. Mm -hmm. So, but the, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but but I mean, I I, I I was kind of frustrated with how the rest of the cast was like kind of neglected in the process of how this movie went because you found out certain things about them, but they're all very vague. It's like, oh, this guy's a little spiritual. This guy likes sewing, and it all feels like, oh, this is like, <laughs> sure, like that's that's fun character stuff, <laughs> but like do I remember what their name is? Do I really know anything about them? Mm-mm. Like, no, you don't. Uh, I think you only, the only thing you learn about Ken is that his wife's breasts 
his wife's his wife's breasts <laughs> are uh, really cool. <laughs> Which is a fine fact, but maybe yeah. not the first and only one <laughs> <laughs> to know. Like, yes, correct. It's yeah. So I, I feel like there was an, a missed opportunity to represent a wider spectrum of experience in the cast of the movie that's already there and like played by like very popular, like well-regarded. When I saw some of the actors that were cast Mm -hmm. as the other male strippers, I was like, oh, everyone's going to get a story. These are all pretty famous actors. And like, it was just Magical Michael. Yeah. If you you thought you were going to get any information about Joe Mangiello, what is his name? Joe Mangiello. (laughs) Oh my God. I know he's in things. My gosh. I don't know who that is. Matt... Bomer. Bomer. Uh, uh, someone isn't watching procedurals <laughs> or soap operas 15 years ago. It's true. Uh, Tito is played by Adam Rodriguez. Tarzan is played by Kevin Nash. Yeah, we really learned nothing about any of those characters, but it would have been a nice opportunity to, yeah. for a movie that seems to want to characterize and humanize sex workers, especially because there's such a a problem with sex workers in media not being humanized mm-hmm. uh, that this would have been a nice opportunity to give us information about more than magical Michael and magical Michael jr. But the movie opts not to do that. Yeah. Which sucks. And it, and it is like, like you were saying earlier, centering this very, I feel like more marketable view of stripping in general but but male strippers in specific of like well this is temporary and i actually want to do something else like there's no character that's presented as like this is my chosen career and i'm very happy doing it yeah which should be a perspective that is presented because it like like you're saying like it it is very much something that exists and isn't represented and Oh, pee-pee, yes. Pee pee poo poo. Pee pee poo poo. Speaking uh, of, uh, one of my main complaints about the movie is that there's not enough nudity. Anyone else agree? <laughs> <laughs> you got to see butt and titties right away. Yes. However, in the first scene. Okay, but I'm an I, insult. I feel- <laughs> I feel like we see more female nudity in this movie about male strippers, which is confusing. You basically see a few bare asses of men and you see a silhouette. Oh, no, you do see Big Dick Richie's (laughs) penis in a penis enlarging device. What are those called? I would say that's pretty nude. That's pretty nude. (laughs) um, It's kind of like a disembodied penis, you know? This is a very specific <laughs> complaint. <laughs> but I was just, I was kind of curious about this. And it turns out that the shows that you see in this movie are closer to male reviews than male strip shows. Like a Chippendale situation. Right. Yeah. I, for one, did not really know about this distinction until I was researching this for this episode. I just outed myself as very much knowing the distinction. <laughs> Um, But for anyone else who didn't know, so basically male review shows or male reviews 
have the more kind of like choreographed dancing than a male strip show. There's a lot more like costume changes like we see in this movie. There's also like a show that starts at a specific time and then ends 90 minutes later, much like a live episode of the Bechdel cast. We're running out of time. We, we actually are. We do need to wrap up soon. Yeah. But um, there's all these. And then also the the big thing is that... Uh, is it- the lack the of nudity, penis. right? There's yeah. a, Sorry, a no. vis- there's a noticeable lack of bare penises. <laughs> okay, but that opens a whole Pandora's box of like, I I, I don't think we can like pin this on the movie in particular because sure. that is the rating system that is like, and that's why I feel like the only way you can see bare dick is if you've got an HBO Max subscription. Uh-huh. Uh, when you're watching the kids at Euphoria High, why are there okay, so well, that's many your penises? Problem. That's your problem. There's plenty me. of places to see dicks in this world. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say in a movie aspect, I, I don't yeah. think we can like put that on Magic Mike specifically. I would hope that they would have showed us dick if they could have. But because <laughs> that like you can only that's like a general issue with movie ratings is Mm -hmm. like you can show way more of a a woman's body than you can. It's just a problem that's existed for a very long time. Right. And so that's, I feel like why TV has sort of taken, uh, taken the lead on showing Dick. Um, (laughs) and that's my, that's my S in this essay. I will. (laughs) tell you why there's so much more dick on it in at euphoria high school than there is in magic mike because (laughs) you would think and it should be the opposite uh yeah but but yeah i mean i I think that it's like even if a major movie wanted to show dick there's like not a lot of ways to do it because of how that very antiquated structure is made for sure yes so i withdraw my complaint (laughs) But wouldn't it be great to see like the the dick cut? <laughs> kind of like the Whoa. butthole cut. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I just had a, <laughs> Sorry. There had to have been a better way to phrase that. Right. Someone's going to pull that out of context and I'm, my life's going to be fucking over. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many ways to interpret it too. It's like, are we talking about circumcision? Um, yeah. Yes. And that, that is what we're we talking are. about. <laughs> Yeah, correct. Yeah, um, that's what I was saying. <laughs> no, but like the I see what you, the butthole cut of cats. We want to see the dick cut of magical. You Michael. wouldn't have been able to release the throbbing butthole <laughs> cut of cats in theaters to general audiences yeah. in the same way that you wouldn't have been able to. But but then there there is a lot of like gendered implications there because. There are, I mean, and, and we've like had this talk on the show before of how the rating system is generally like you can show brutalization towards women the entire fucking movie and get a PG-13 rating. But right. dare we show th- just the tip and <laughs> and we cannot Suddenly release it's it an in NC-17. theaters. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. So it is like a, a, a big systemic movie problem yes indeed yeah the things that i actually have complaints about are these uh so there are some very like 2012 things that are said or done in the movie that go completely unchallenged by the movie i think one of the most uh egregious ones is a few moments of like quote-unquote no homo where there's a scene where dallas is teaching adam how to dance 
and he makes a like no homo comment using a slur. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm not trying to fuck you or anything. This is just, I'm teaching you how to dance so you can make money. Um, I think. Which your boss should never have to say to you. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone listening who's like, my boss says stuff like that to me. Is that okay? No, (laughs) probably not. Right. Um, the thing is that, like, I, I believe that character of Dallas would have said something like that. But, the, yeah. again, the movie nor any of the other characters challenges that attitude. Right. There's a, another scene where Brooke finds all of Adam's thongs and mm-hmm. she very abrasively is like, what the fuck is going on? Get out here. I need to talk to you. He's in the bathroom. He might be taking a poo. But she's like, get out here right now. I have to talk to you about your thongs. And then she's like... <laughs> <laughs> stop taking it stop that shit right now <laughs> you better cut that log boy because i <laughs> i hate that I said <laughs> and then she's but like you can do that with your ass though <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like i don't care what your preferences are but also get the fuck out here because it's gross that you i think you might be gay and then he's like, no, it's just for work. And she's like, what? And like never followed up. Like, that's the thing where it's like that. It's frustrating because it's like, I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world to present that someone in his life would feel that way. But you have to come full circle on that narrative of like, she was explicitly wrong to have made that right. judgment and bear that out. But, but instead, it's like she makes the judgment. It's kind of played for laughs. And then it's like not really referenced explicitly again there's no apology there's no like there's no you know it's right it all becomes this kind of murky mess and then at the end of the movie she still does not approve of the work they're right. doing and then mike michael magic michael comma michael comma magical uh quits his job basically because right. of it and again like i imagine that that is like common for like the scrutiny that male strippers and sex workers and sex workers of all genders face but again the movie doesn't actually really comment on it um there's a quick conversation between mike and adam where they're in the club early on they clock these two young women one of them has just turned 21 and Mike is like, go talk to that girl. And Adam says, she doesn't look like she wants to be bothered. And then Mike is like, look at what she's wearing. She came here tonight to be bothered. Mike does shit like that. Yep. Like there, I know that we're supposed to be like, Michael, he's so magical. But like, <laughs> he does do some misogynist shit. He's yep. bursting into your house li- mm-hmm. like the Kool-Aid man. He's... <laughs> He's saying like, well, she's wearing a dress. She probably wants to be harassed. And mm. then and then the way that the script plays out is like it endorses Magical Michael's POV of like the women. That was always kind of frustrating where it seemed like in some areas of the script, Mike's perspective was kind of challenged and moved forward. But in, in whenever he's like judging a woman based on what he obs- thinks he's observing from a distance, mm-hmm. In the script, it always bears out that he was right, with the exception of Brooke, which falls into the not like the other girls thing you were talking about earlier, right. where it's like with this girl who's turning 21, he's like, oh, no, she wants to be harassed. She came here to be harassed. And then when the kid from Beastly goes over and is like, oh, who's in Beastly? Like, or like <laughs> whatever he says to her, 
she's like, wow, oh my God. Like, you know, like in a way that it's like, if someone came up to me when I was 21 and said I was in Beastly, <laughs> yeah. I would be like, I haven't seen that. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm not like other girls. I didn't see Beastly in theaters. <laughs> Um, the last thing here is that there's an instance of body shaming where there's a part of the movie where Big Dick Richie, me, <laughs> is that who we decided I was? I can't remember. Yes, we did. Okay, yes. okay, okay. So, but I, this behavior does not exemplify anything I would ever do. He picks up a fuller figured woman and then immediately his back is injured and he has to walk off stage. And it's like also played for laughs. Yeah. And the movie doesn't challenge that in any way. And it just uh, shames this nameless woman. Yeah. So, yeah, it did come out in 2012 is the conclusion yeah. that, I, yeah. <laughs> that I would like to draw. It very much did. Yeah. <sighs> did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I think in general, I mean, I, 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 I think going off the 2012 stuff, it just seems like there were some missed opportunities in this movie that maybe were addressed in the sequel. I don't know. Magic Mike's last dance. I, it might just be a really long funeral movie. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it's a resurrection story. <gasps> it starts at Magical Michael's funeral. And then he's like, whoa. <laughs> and then he's like, I have one last dance in me. <laughs> I'm available to direct that. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, it just felt like this This movie was, it, it. we talk about this all the time, but like movies of this era specifically, it feels like a stepping stone towards more inclusive, better movies where this movie I think does show a lot of empathy towards its characters in a way that sex workers in general and, and male sex workers are, are not generally shown. Mm -hmm. um, I wish that there were more movies about women sex workers and marginalized sex workers who are, you know, dealing with shit that is much more immediately dangerous than what Magical Michael is dealing with, which also is really difficult. Like there's just, yeah. there's not enough movies about sex work in general that present sex workers as people you know, and right. this movie, I think, is definitely a stepping stone towards that and also doesn't get into the realm of tragedy porn where I feel like that's another risk that you run. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, like, it is still a fun movie. It's all, I mean, there's such a horny legacy <laughs> with this mm. horny. What is that? We should enter that into our vocabulary. Horny legacy, yep. tone poem. What well, else is this there? movie has a lot of horny depth, horny of depth, horny, but then yeah. a horny depth can turn into a horny legacy over time. True. Well, it, it, it feels like a step in the right direction, but ultimately, like we've been talking about, like it does come down on this bizarrely conservative end of like, well, only by, you know, giving up sex work was he able to find true happiness. And, right. and also in that way, even like the way that we haven't really talked about how Adam's storyline ends, but the storyline with Adam ends where he's completely had his ass saved by magical Michael, who's mm -hmm. given up his life savings to mm -hmm. save his ass. And then responds by being like, thanks Mike. That was really cool. And then immediately taking Mike's job <laughs> and then being like, well, I guess I'm Mike now. Like mm -hmm. again, it's like a Santa Claus situation almost like <laughs> he killed magic Mike and now he's magic Mike. <laughs> He, he like took all of Magic Mike's money and now he's Magic Mike. 
I feel like that one may be a little underexamined by the story. But like right. even even that, I feel like the way that his arc ends ends up kind of depicting his profession in a bad light of like by Mm -hmm. him staying in stripping and sex work that makes him a bad person where it's like no what makes him a shitty person is that he took all of magic mike's money and then santa claused him (laughs) like that's the bad thing but i don't know how much this movie is interested in kind of like making that separation Um, right i will say though that i did appreciate that this movie largely centered a male friendship where even though every movie ever made is about men so few of them actually like explore in an interesting way yes jamie i'm just saying it does kind of fall into the fathers and sons trope (laughs) where there's so many father son but it but but in this movie it does work there, yeah, I mean, we have sort of like a mentor daddy figure. There's <laughs> so many daddies in this movie. Come on. And like Matthew McConaughey is Channing Tatum's daddy, but he's, he's a like bad, a, a grand, bad grand daddy. daddy. He's a bad daddy. We don't like him. <laughs> this daddy has too much money. We got to get this daddy out of here. And then Channing Tatum, good daddy. Mm-hmm. Kid from Beastly. We don't, not, not a Son. daddy yet. Aspiring daddy. <laughs> He's he's not yet a daddy, still a son. He's got a fucking human centipede of daddies. <laughs> <laughs> some good, some bad. Uh, yes. If for some reason in this movie it works for me, generally I'm like, enough with the daddies. But in this movie, there is a... <laughs> The spectrum of daddies is on display. There's good daddies. There's bad daddies. There's morally ambiguous daddies. <laughs> the point is, I appreciate that this movie explored male friendship in a way that was right, right, right. fairly nuanced and interesting. I, I mean, especially because by the end, it's like, are they even going to be friends anymore? I mean, no. Adam owes him a bunch of money, but... It's going to be a weird Thanksgiving because <laughs> he's right? dating her, his sister, but yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, anyway, I think that's all I had. Uh, well, then let's get into uh, the reason that people think they listen to this show sometimes, which is, does it pass the Bechdel <laughs> test? <laughs> that is, again, we've talked about this so many times, but it's my favorite way to find out that someone is lying about listening to this show, where they're like, yeah, I, I love finding out if it passed the Bechdel test. <laughs> I'm like, do you think we just go through this script line by line and be like, hmm, does that pass? I guess not. No, not that like, one. That would be fun, though. Let's um, turn the page. Let's see if this one. Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? I don't think so because think so either, yeah. Joanna and Brooke do talk to each other about swimsuits and tattoos, but, but magical, magical Michael. Michael is right there and like interjecting. Yeah, I I saw that as well and i and and the whole subtext of that conversation is joanna is trying to get the vibe of like is she going to fuck me and magical michael right because they're always looking for a third Mm -hmm. which i i did appreciate that was presented very matter of factly in the movie where like joanna and mike have been hooking up for a while they're always looking for a third and they're and that's just like who they are they're very different people they have the same interest and that's what they want magical michael wants uh he wants to be a wife guy that's his business Mm. whatever but i i did like that joanna was presented as like a fully fleshed out character who just like this is something she wants to do but the subtext of that whole conversation is that she's like are me and mike gonna fuck this girl and so yeah i don't think that yeah also a third that they could have brought in is 
her fiance that uh she who seems to very much has. know what's right. going the, i was so confused about the fiance scene because the fiance was sort of like should i get out of here i'm like this guy is so fucking chill like, right what is it he was like i'm gonna go look at he's he literally says like i'm gonna go look in the mirror yeah. <laughs> so it almost implies that they are in an open relationship yeah. which makes it weird that Joanna wouldn't have told Mike that. And I wish we kind of got a landing place there because I, I didn't dislike the Joanna character. I didn't feel like she was made out to be a villain except the, for the fact that her storyline ended so abruptly that you feel like you didn't get closure with her mm-hmm. because it was clear that like she was conflicted on how she felt about Mike. It seemed like she and Mike wanted different things. I feel like you, it was kind of unique in that you usually see like in big movies that the woman in a heterosexual relationship really wants something more. Right. And that the man doesn't, it was clear in this situation that Mike wanted more than Joanna was willing to give. Mm -hmm. But then it was like, it just sort of stopped when it was like this random hot guy was like, I better get out of here. (laughs) And then, then that was just kind of, that was just kind of the end of the story for them. Um, But I, I liked her story in general. I like to think that there was a final scene that got cut or something because it just felt kind of abrupt. Same. Um, anyways, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Sorry. Mm, <laughs> nope. But how about that nipple scale of ours? How about that nipple how scale How about of it? Ours? Zero to five nipples based on an examination of the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. Hmm. This movie made me horny. Five nipples. <laughs> <laughs> And that's our show. Thanks for coming. Right. <laughs> I will no, say, though, I would say like, I don't know, I guess two and a half. I do appreciate that this movie attempts to humanize sex work, even though it is about men, boo, and uh, predominantly white men. But uh, I think that there's enough. Uh, I don't know. It's It's just one of those like split down the middle things where it is doing some cool subversive interesting things it is also adhering to some other problematic tropes of the time two and a half nipples i'll give one to brooke i'll Mm -hmm. give one no actually no i don't she i take it back (laughs) i hate women i don't like that she was all like sex work is gross uh and you can't kiss me until you quit I'm going to give one to the pig who eats vomit. I'm going to give uh, the other nipple to the vomit. And then <laughs> no, I don't know. It's two and a half nipples to the pig. The end. Uh, I'll do I'll do three. I, I think I, I like this movie a lot. It certainly made me... I don't even know if it made me horny. There's something about like... there's I This is a personal thing. But uh, like there's a threshold when... When someone gets too hot, it becomes science to me. <laughs> where, <laughs> where I'm just like, this is really like I put on a fucking monocle. I'm like, interesting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like at some point, when a person gets too like traditionally hot, it it becomes scary to me. But that said, I this movie is a, it's a really horny movie. <laughs> I like how it does. I mean, it, it like and we've talked about this a little bit, but it like you know shows really macho masculine stuff but then it also shows the other side of it and mm-hmm. it shows like the challenges that are presented by like having to constantly perform this and it, it is i think like it was ahead of its time at least in 2012 sure. for showing sex work in an empathetic way even though it is certainly not perfect based on what we've discussed and and it also you know just kind of in you know 
I don't want to use the phrase interrogates masculinity because it makes me feel like I'm a fucking loser, but <laughs> whatever. Jamie, we're it's podcasters. True. We're losers. We are fucking losers. <laughs> so I'm going to go walk into traffic. Um, well, anyways, it interrogates my hand. Uh, I'll give it three nipples. It's 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 a good movie. Yeah, it's it's not. Uh, my main issues with it are the way that it ends in a needlessly ambiguous way. Given mm-hmm. that it seemed like it was building towards a more decisive conclusion, right? Um, and then it sort of like at the end. I didn't like how the women in the movie were. It was like there's only one female character in the entire movie, and she doesn't really have anyone to talk to. When it mm. was like it would have been interesting to give her more people to talk to, and, and just more women in general that were not very background character generalized. Yeah, um, and it's a really white movie, and an air like especially because they specifically ground it in Tampa. That also makes no fucking sense. Um, mm. so it's just like, I, ugh, it, uh, Steven Soderbergh, you know, that's a Steven Soderbergh problem. I think anyways, mm. uh, three nipples. I'll give one to Channing Tatum doing the sexy worm. Uh, <laughs> I'll give one to the chair that everyone's coming all over with a zebra print on it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll give my final nipple to the big dick. Okay. Ooh, yeah. the one that they keep saying swinging low that mm-hmm. one nice yeah well folks that's our show thank you thank you for so coming. much for coming uh we don't normally we would have time for questions but guess what we don't we, we talked so. for too long but feel free to we'll be out in the lobby in a few minutes feel free to come and say hi otherwise thank you so much for coming thank you for coming give it up for yourselves that was the episode thank you so much for listening we also want to give a big thanks to the elysian theater in los angeles where we did the show special thanks to kate and mel and paul at the elysian three of the greats and thank you to everyone who came out we really appreciate it Um, Mm -hmm. you made us feel so welcome and loved and we we love our la crew and we hope to see the rest of you soon um but yeah huge shout out to the elysian uh, if you're ever in la and want to see a great comedy show they're happening there almost every damn day all so, the time oh why don't you get over there yeah um and in regular orders of of business you can uh, find us on the internet on you know where we normally live sure on uh Twitter and Instagram at BechdelCast. Uh, we also have a Patreon, aka Matreon, where you can get two additional episodes from just Caitlin and myself every single month with a fun theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we are currently observing Titanic month, but we're also doing Romeo plus Juliet. So it's actually kind of a uh, DiCaprio Youth Theater Month. I keep forgetting what it's actually called. It's Leonardo DiCaprio or DiCaprio. DiCaprio and Stitch. Not a movie we're doing this month, but it's five bucks a month and you get two bonus episodes a month with over a hundred episodes in that feed so what a bargain get over there absolutely wow and you can buy our merch 
which Jamie designed all of it, FYI. Woo! And that can be found at tpublic.com slash thebechtelcast. And um, yeah, you know, rate us on the, the platforms, the podcast platforms. Give us a like, give us a review, give us a follow, <laughs> all the other great stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Um, and, and until next time, we'll, we'll see you uh, same time, same place next week. We love you. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.